The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. It's fun to say thank you. Hey, I'm so excited that you're here at the Grove Church in Snohomish. We are one church with two locations, Grove Marysville and Grove Snohomish. And if you are a guest with us here, we want to say welcome to you. Uh, When you came through the doors, you received a Connect card. That's the best way for us to follow up with you and get to know you better, as well as what we believe the most important thing to pray for you. And so you can fill out that card and drop it in the offering as it goes by at the end of service today. In my opinion, this is the most wonderful time of the year, and I am that person. Uh, This morning, someone asked me, like, you're one of those people, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. I love this season. I'm fired up about this season. It is the best season because we get to celebrate the birth of Christ, and we'll be talking all about Christ throughout the month of December. I want to do a little bit of just some kind of fun things happening at the church. I'm a big party person and I really love fun things and we have some cool stuff happening. First of all, I want to say thank you to my wife and her awesome team for putting all this decor together. Can you give them a hand? It turned out awesome. Absolutely. Uh, But today, one of the cool things about today at the Grove Church is today we launched the gift outreach, which is what these tags represent that I'm holding in my hand here. Out in the lobby today, there's a a Christmas tree that Chris Pratt made for us, the original Chris Pratt. And um, what's cool about these tags is they represent people. And so the red tags are actually families uh, within our church and within our community that are in need. So for example, I grabbed this tag just as an example to show you today. This is a boy, age 10, uh, and he wants some try not to laugh challenge joke books. So again, what you will do as a family is you'll go to the tree and uh, grab a tag. Love to see all the red tags gone today. To be honest with you, it's a great time to be generous. You'll grab a tag and it just gives instructions right on here. Please purchase the gifts listed on the back of the tag. Attach the tag to the unwrapped gifts and return them by Sunday, December 16th. So you got two weeks to shop, have fun, and uh, help families in need. It's really cool and I really love what I love about the gift outreach. If you have kids, it's a great opportunity to get your kids involved in this. Um, Not only do we want to teach our kids what they're getting for Christmas, We want to also teach our kids what they're giving for Christmas. And so this is a great opportunity for you to be a part of that by picking up a tag here this week and next week. In addition to that, uh, there's green tags there and they just represent uh, money donation. We also gift the family uh, with a cool basket. So it's an opportunity for you to be generous this Christmas season. Some cool things coming up at our campus here at Grove Snohomish that I just love. Next week, child dedications. We got so many families getting dedicated. It's going to be awesome, so I don't want you to miss that. Following week, the kids are performing, okay? There's going to be risers. Kids are going to be picking their noses. Girls are going to be dressed in dresses. It's going to be awesome. The boys are going to be looking handsome. So if you like watching kids sing and wave at you as a parent, I don't want you to miss that. And then we also, on the 23rd of December, we're dressing up in ugly Christmas sweaters. So I want to encourage you to find one. It doesn't necessarily have to be ugly. I know some people are worried about that. And then last but not least, we have one service on Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. on the 24th. I tell you all this because Christmas time, unlike any time throughout the year, Christmas time is the best season, the most powerful season, and the greatest opportunity for you to invite someone to church and tell them about the message of Jesus Christ. More than any other time in the year, Christmas time, people's hearts are much more softened to hear the message of Christ. So I want to encourage you to be inviting people 
and inviting them to our church. We have some cool opportunities that I think are going to be some fun Sundays here at the Grove Church Snohomish. Well, today we wrap up this series called Say It. We've been talking about gratitude. And in week one, what we talked about is I talked about you seeing gratitude. Uh, I talked about 10 men in the book of Luke who had a skin disease, leprosy, and all 10 of them were received a healing on the way to see the priest. Jesus sent them to receive healing. On their way, they received healing. And what we learn in this story is that only one of them turned back, recognizes what happened to them, that he was healed, turns back and gives Jesus thanks. I talked about how that's really seeing gratitude. Last week, I talked about saying it. I said that the two most powerful words at your disposal as a person of Christ are the words, thank you. There's something so powerful about telling people that have impacted your life, thank you. Pausing for a moment and recognizing, hey, where I am today, what got me to where I am today was not on my own accord. What got me to where I am today is because people invested in my life. They did something for me. They helped me read. They helped me write. They led me to Christ. And I can pause and be reminded to thank them and to thank them often. There's such power in saying thank you. Today, I want to talk about showing gratitude. I want to talk about what it means to show gratitude in a world where I really believe is polar opposite of the attitude of gratitude. Today we're gonna to read about a story in Luke again about a gal and uh, what she does for Jesus. But I wanna talk a little bit about the idea of attitude just for a moment. In week one I said, although it sounds cheesy, that gratitude is an attitude. It's actually a perspective. Gratitude is a perspective and a choice that you choose every single day. Charles Swindoll wrote a very powerful description of attitude that I want to read to you today. It's been around for a long time. Maybe you've heard it before. He writes about attitude. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on my life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstance, than failure, than success than what other people think. Say or do, it is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced, probably the most powerful quote portion of this quote here, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you, we are in charge of our attitudes. My attitude has a tremendous impact on my family, on the people I work with, on the places that I go. And it's pretty powerful what can happen when I have the right attitude or when I have the wrong attitude. It affects how people perceive me and how I'm known to them. And so it is with you. I wanna ask you a powerful question and it's probably worth writing down. How is your attitude on life? If I were to ask those closest to you how you treat them, how you come across, how you respond under pressure, what would they say about you? What kind of attitude do you have when you wake up every single day? What kind of 
personality and response do you have when you face each day? Are you critical? Constantly seeing the problems and the negativities in life. I joke a lot about this attitude, but are you grouchy? Everything bugs you, everything gets under your skin, everything's wrong with the world, and you love picking and pointing at all the different things that are wrong with it. Are you judgmental? Do you find yourself with an attitude that likes to point out people's faults and what they do wrong when Jesus said, man, be careful to find the speck in someone else's if there's a plank coming out of yours, right? Or are you grateful? Do you wake up with gratitude for life? The Bible reminds you and I often that we are the salt and the light of the earth. And I take that very, very seriously. In fact, just the way that I'm wired and everyone's always like, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? You know, how do you look at the world? Man, I am a pie in the sky type of person. I wake up every day excited about life. The glass is always half full in my eyes. And I believe the best about people. I believe the best about our world. I believe the best about people. I see the good in things and I do not let culture beat me down and I don't let the things of this life take away my joy. I love life and I live it to the fullest and it's something that I'm very passionate about. I see the good and the grace of God in this life and I want you to do the same. In fact, I heard one pastor say it like this, give people the benefit of the doubt even when there is little doubt. And I love that. I love that perspective because what it says is, man, we could be far more gracious and far more kind and far more gentle with people than we are at times. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything is in it. See, what I love about this season, what I find to be so joyful about this season is the psalm that says it's the most wonderful time of the year. And to me, it is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And sure, the lights are beautiful and the trees are amazing and giving and receiving gifts is all a part of that. But to me, it has such a deeper meaning. It's the most wonderful time of the year because we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. The Bible has all sorts of models of gratitude and thanksgiving. I want to read one today in Luke 7, 36. This is Jesus being anointed by the sinful woman. I want to see, I want to show you once again the power of gratitude and how we can respond to it. This is in verse 36 of Luke 7. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. 
but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the first time, from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's bow our heads and pray for God's word today. Lord, I just thank you so much for this season. God, it is the most wonderful time of the year. God, it's a time for us to respond and remember all that Jesus did when he came to live among us. And God, part of that response is so much gratitude for this season, God. But more than anything, God, I pray today that our church, God, this family, that God, we would be people that are reminded today of showing this gratitude to the world around us, God. I thank you, God, for the word of God that speaks to us. It's alive. Your Holy Spirit draws us to it each day. We thank you for it, God, in your good name. Amen. Three people in the story here today. We got Jesus, obviously. We got Simon the Pharisee, and we have an unnamed woman. We don't even, have, we don't even get her name which in that culture, that was normal because women were less. And I said in week one, that's why Luke was so, so valued, people understanding the undeserving and the left out could now have access to God the Father. In verse 36, Jesus is inviting to have dinner with a Pharisee. His name's Simon, and he is the religious people of the day. These are the people, remember, if you know anything about the Pharisees, they were people that were in love with the law. They were in love with the Torah. They knew the law. They knew all the regulations. They knew all the rules. And they, they really were always trying to find ways to catch Jesus into messing up or to saying something he should so that they could end up in some way or some form either executing him or kiboshing with the message that he was preaching. So they're always trying to find the faults and the issues in Jesus and his ministry. I've said before, they were more in love with the law than the lawgiver. And in verse 37 and 38, we meet this unnamed woman. And what's interesting about this is we meet her, and like I said, she's nameless. But not only is she nameless, the only thing that we're known by her in the scriptures is what? That she is a sinner. She's known by her sin. Her identity is wrapped in what she has done and her act. Most scholars, when you study these gospels, this story is in all four gospels, most scholars believe that she was a prostitute. So obviously she was caught up in a mess with her life and therefore she's known more about her sin than she's known about her very even name. 
And so when we meet her, she begins to see Jesus coming into this home. And with her tears, she washes Jesus' feet as an act of honor and hospitality. And she is wiping them with her hair. Everyone just say with me for one minute here, nasty. Come on, just say nasty. Okay, come on, one more time, say nasty. Okay, this was gross, you guys, all right? I mean, feet are already gross, okay? So that's a different topic for a different day. But this was gross in first century, okay? This wasn't like they had Nikes or awesome boots or anything like that, right? Most of them were wearing some type of open toe sandal with few straps, okay? This is where animals would travel on the main roads, right? Okay, so you can imagine the smell, you can imagine the disgust, you can imagine what this was like coming into someone's home with dirty, nasty smelling feet. And her tears, okay, her tears are both of thanksgiving but also of reverent awe as she senses the presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ. In that day, her act would have been considered improper And it took great courage to honor Jesus in this way. Because this wasn't a normal thing you did, especially as a woman to another man in that culture. And not only that, it was very improper for someone in someone else's home to do this. So this act of hospitality and honor and courage was a really big deal. What What a witness for Jesus she was. This lady does not care about what this Pharisee thinks or what the crowds think about her and around her, she is more concerned with operating out of courage and strength rather than what people think of her act. And what about you? What courageous move is God calling you to do? Because when we look at this gal who's unnamed, what we see is courage. What we see is her choosing Christ and honoring him in his presence over the religious leaders and them pointing fingers over, oh, oh, she's caught up in sin. Oh, she's a prostitute. Oh, but her courage is a testimony to you and I today because her courage calls us to consider what is Christ asking me to do on a daily basis that maybe is not popular? What is Christ calling me to do in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in my family that maybe seems a little courageous today? That maybe they'll get some rumblings. Maybe there'll be some talk. Maybe, maybe it's not necessarily appropriate, but yet her courage is a reminder for you and I that Christ calls the believer to live with a courageous spirit in every single day in every moment, in our workplace, in our home, at our school. And it may seem ridiculous to them, but in Christ's eyes, it's glorious. It may seem ridiculous what you're doing for Christ in your workplace or in your school, but in Christ's eyes, it may be glorious and beautiful in his sight. Immediately now, verse 39 and 40, immediately the Pharisees are beginning to question Jesus' authority as a prophet. And, you know, no prophet would allow a woman to touch his feet like this. And then this is kind of the kicker, right? Now Jesus sort of, sort of levels the plane like he always does. He levels the plane and he knows that they're thinking about this. And they, he knows that they're saying it. And for Simon, he even knows that he's thinking about the fact that this is an improper thing. And so Jesus responds to Simon. He says, 
this powerful parable, there were two people that had debt. One owed 500 pieces of silver, one owed 50. Okay, the equivalent of about 20 months of wages for the 500, okay? About four or five months for the, the person that owed the 50. And Jesus begins to explain what happens in this parable. He says to them, listen, the one who owed the larger debt, okay, what happens? And let me, let me kind of recap this a little bit for you. I want, to say, I want to read it to you back one more minute here. It says, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said, here's what Jesus is saying. He says, Simon answers correctly. The person who was forgiven big forgives much. Person who has been forgiven much loves much. And what he says here, he says, there is a greater love from this woman. She is washing my feet with her tears. She's continually kissing my feet and anointing them with expensive ointment. And I tell you her sins, and though they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Her act of hospitality and gratitude her response to Jesus and who he is, her faith, her humble act of sincere love for Jesus. This is what brought her to be right with God. She has loved much. She recognizes his presence. She recognizes his authority. She recognizes who he is and what he can do for her. And he says to her, your faith has saved you. You have been forgiven much. I love the message Bible. It says it this way. She was forgiven many, many sins. So she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. See, what Jesus is not saying when we read this is that if we sin more, then Jesus will love you more. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is trying to get to the issue of Simon's heart. This person who has shown me hospitality and honor, this act of her washing my feet, this act of courage, she recognizes her sin. She recognizes what she's done wrong. She recognizes that in God's presence, she doesn't measure up. And yet Christ sees what she has done in comparison to Simon. Here's what he says. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But yet she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with the kiss, uh, kiss, Simon, excuse me. But from the first time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. It's the comparison of Simon and this unnamed woman and how the woman responds to Jesus. I want to ask you a question today. How much has God forgiven you? I just want you to think about that just for a moment. How much has God forgiven you? If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you're a follower of his today, how much has he forgiven you? How much has God forgiven me? If I begin to add up 
the thoughts, the actions, the past sins, the present sins, if I begin to start stacking them up, is it, is it more than 500? Is it, is it more than 50? I mean, it's probably way more than that for me. And maybe it's less or more of that for you, but how much has God forgiven you? If you were to look at your life just for a moment and, and kind of think, think about it, it, it probably, I can admit, it's probably more than the 50 or the 500, if we can think about it in that way. And yet, what does Jesus do? He forgives much. He says, I come to give you life and life abundantly. He says, all things have gone away, new has come. He says, you can come to me if you're heavy and burdened and heavy laden, I can give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So much forgiveness, so much grace towards us, so much love towards us, just, this, just like this love towards this unnamed woman. And this gratitude, this gratitude of forgiveness, this gratitude of love, I'm telling you today, it should be seen in our world today. Th this kind of gratitude is not in our culture today. I, I don't see people that I interact with, and maybe you don't either, that really appreciate life. In fact, what I see more than being selfless is selfish. What I see more is people taking advantage rather than living with an open hand. Yet what Jesus would call you and I to do is to be a witness in every area of our life in how we appreciate and enjoy life for what it is. It's gratitude and it should be seen. It should be seen to our neighbors, it should be seen to our friends. It should be seen in our workplace. It should be seen in our school, this gratitude and this forgiving spirit of all that Christ has done in us. I wanna give you the how here. How? how, how do we live like this every day? How do we live with an attitude of gratitude? How do we live with this attitude that says, God, life is a gift and I, I wanna enjoy it? Number one, I believe we have to live as forgiven, not forgotten. When you and I live as a forgiven child of God, it changes how you approach every single day. You begin to appreciate life as a gift. You begin to praise your job and the people in your life that help provide for your needs rather than griping and complaining and cursing. And you begin to see the good in people. See, when I live as a forgiven person of Christ, as the unnamed woman did, I begin to recognize that life truly is a gift from him. And it's not meant to be taken for granted. It means that every day that I have breath in my lungs and a family to provide for and a church to love and a community to be the salt and light in is a gift from God. Because I live now as a forgiven child of God. I've not been forgotten. I'm not chained by my past. I'm not who I was yesterday or a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago. I'm a new person in Christ every single day. His mercies are new every single day. And because of those reasons, I can live as a forgiven person of Jesus. And that should be seen. That attitude should be seen in my neighborhood. That attitude should be seen with the people I interact with at the stores, on the committees, on the sports teams. My attitude for life should be seen. 
that gratitude should be a witness to people around me. I want you to think about that for a minute. How is your attitude on life? Go, go back to the glass for a minute here, the half empty, half full glass. You go, well, I, I'm just wired to be negative. You know, man, you're just pie in the sky, but that's not life. You don't even work. You're a pastor, okay? I mean, I don't know what you think, okay? All you do is have meetings and drink coffee. Come to my work. But what, what is, what, what, how do you look at that glass? Oh, it's, oh, it's half empty. Oh, no, no, yeah. It's like Scrooge all over again. What is your attitude on life? When, when you live as a forgiven child of God that now belongs to his family, catch this, you do not live to get, you live to give. There are people in this church that I have personal relationship with that they live to give. They are people that live, and I've used this example before, they live with an open hand. I'm telling you, they don't think anything belongs to them. They give and they give and they give generously. Why? Because they recognize life is a gift. I'm a steward of what God's given me and I'm gonna do whatever I can to be a blessing to people around me. See, when you live as a forgiven child of God and you have an attitude of gratitude, as cheesy as that sounds, what happens is you go, wow, I'm I'm looking for opportunity. I'm I'm, I'm trying to find opportunity where I can bless people. I'm I'm trying to find opportunity where I can serve people. I'm gonna find opportunities I can give to people. I'm gonna look for opportunities where I can be a light to people. You know how opposite that is to our world today? We live in a world of getting. We live in a world of thinking for yourself. We live in a world of always wanting what we want. But as Christ followers, when we live as forgiven children of God, we start looking for ways just to bless and help and encourage and love and support. And it's rare. It's not normal. And people think you're weird. And they're like, what do you want from me? But it's awesome because it's a witness of what Christ has done in our lives and it should be seen. Do I love gathering as a church? Oh yeah, I love preaching Jesus. I love doing this awesome thing that God's doing here. But you know what I love more? You and, you and I being the salt and light of the earth. You know what I love more? When you wake up tomorrow morning, you go, wow, I am forgiven. This is a gift. I get to be a blessing. What can I do to give it away? What can I do to help others? What can I do to be the light of the world? When you live as a forgiven child of God, I'm telling you, you will shine so brightly. You start going to school with all your peers and you start living as a forgiven child of God. You start looking to to bless the students around you, you start looking to be a light to them, to help them, because you're good at math and they're not, they're not, because you're good at a sport and they're still learning that skill, and you begin to now look at yourself, not as comparing yourself to a peer, but as a light to that person. Wow, what a difference that will do in your school. What, what a difference that'll do in your neighborhood. What a difference that'll do with those around you. Matthew 5 13 through 16. I want you to hear the words of Jesus once again about what he calls you and I to do every day. You, you, 
not the pastor, not the staff, not the professional Christians, you, you, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I love the screen, next one here. In the same way, oh, here we go. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. I love it. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And this gratitude should be seen. It should be a rare presence when you walk into the room because of your attitude for life. Because if you live as a forgiven child of God, it will show brightly in our world today. At the Grove Church, we say a few codes. In, a, in our first series, I talked about our DNA and I wanna remind you of the DNA of the Grove Church. We will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus Christ. We give up things we love for things we love even more. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. And there's a great Christmas carol right now that fits perfectly with this message and it goes like this. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. That what? That there's gifts under the tree? No, nothing wrong with gifts. That Santa's coming? No, that Jesus Christ is born. Can I call you to it again today? Because I'm so passionate about it. There are people in your life that are far from God. There are people in your neighborhood that don't know Christ. There are people at your work, on the sports team, in your school, that are all the way gone from seeing or understanding who Jesus is, and he brought you to them. He didn't bring a church name. He didn't bring a pastor. He brought you to them, and he's calling you to have that attitude. What can I do to help you? How can I bless you? Well, at my job, I can't talk about Jesus. I can give you 10 ways you can be a light at your work without ever saying the name of Jesus. Well, at my school, my teacher won't let, oh yes, you can. Oh yes, you can be a light in your school. Well, my neighborhood, they all just close up their garage and no one ever talks to each other. Well, guess what? Be the one person who does it and watch what God can do. You. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And what a great reminder today in this Christmas season. As the worship team's making their way up, I want you to think just one more minute here about that question. How is your attitude on life? If I were to ask the people around you, if you could have like one of those hidden cameras or a GoPro attached to your head, and it was like 48 hours of your life. Like, how is that attitude? What, what is the response? What's the vibe? How do you come across? What are you known by? Because man, I wanna strive every day to be known for an attitude of gratitude, I do. Does it happen every day? Nope. Are there times where I get gripey? Yep. Do I wish some things were different sometimes? Yes, I do. Do I lose patience? All the time. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But by the grace of God, 
I can wake up every day. You can wake up every day and go, man, God, give me gratitude for life. Let me thank you, God, for all that you've done in my life and let it be seen. Help me show it today. And everywhere I go, in whatever I'm doing, help it be seen today. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for this series, Say It, God. God, whether it's seeing it, whether it's the call to sometimes say it, or God, maybe today for all of us, it's show it. Maybe today in this Christmas season, you're calling each one of us to show gratitude to those around us. That we wake up, God, thanking you. That life truly is a gift from you. God, I don't want to take it for granted. We want to live with this gratitude in our hearts. We want to live with this perspective that we are the salt and light of the world, God. Help us today, God. Maybe we fall on the side of being more critical. Maybe we fall on the side of being too judgmental. God, maybe we fall on, on the side of being grateful. I don't know what it is for each person today, but I know what you're calling us to, God. Thankfulness. Gratefulness. Appreciating all that you have done in our lives, God. We thank you for this season. It is, God, the most wonderful time of the year, and we're excited for it, God. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.